Welcome to this episode of the Cloud Sourcing Storytelling Podcast. Host Julian Mitchell will be connecting you with guests from a wide range of different media genres and platforms. Today's episode is all about the cloud's role in live production. Recorded live at Sony's DMPC at the world-famous Pinewood Studios, we hear from Rowan de Pomeray, Chief Technology Officer at the DPP, and Peter Sykes, the Strategic Technology Development Manager at Sony. Welcome to the Cloud Sourcing Storytelling Podcast. Rowan, tell us a little bit about DPP and what, what you do. Sure. So the DPP is an international community for media and technology companies. So about 500 companies, um, including broadcasters and streaming platforms, production houses, and then their technology suppliers and service providers. Um, and we, we bring those companies together to, to share ideas and insights, to understand the market, to work together, do business together. Um, and so the great, the great privilege of our, our jobs as, as the staff of the DPP is that we're constantly out there speaking to companies across the industry and learning about and analyzing what's going on. So hopefully I am privileged to have a pretty good view of what's going on across, across the media space. And how high is cloud at the moment? In your yeah. interests, in in terms of the priorities, it's interesting. I think um, what's taken place over the last sort of three or four years um, is that it's gone from being a really big talking point to actually being quite quiet. But the reason for that is that it's become um, you know very everyday, very very mainstream. I think the conversation about should we be working in the cloud has, has almost entirely gone because it's just become so natural to media companies. So there's, you know, it, it's sort of woven through almost every discussion rather than being a big talking point in and of itself, if that makes sense. Sure. And we talked about previously to this, we talked about live production being a, um, quite a hot topic within that. Yeah. Um, why is that? So I think when I look at adoption of cloud across the media industry and across that, the content supply chain, um, we see sort of different levels of maturity, right? So, um, you know, media companies have back-end enterprise services, their uh, email servers and, and web servers and so on. They're, they've probably been in the cloud for a long time. Um, across uh, kind of media asset management, the content supply chain piece, you know, fulfillment of, of um, content to to partner organizations. A lot of that moved to the cloud kind of quite early. Um, and then it's been seeping back into production. And, um, you know, we've seen pretty big strides in terms of recorded production, post-production. But live production in the cloud, that's the area that's still got, I think, the biggest challenges, the biggest hurdles still to overcome it's starting to become mainstream and you can understand why because yeah. of the live element completely I, th I think you know there's there's a all sorts of challenges involved in that there's um you know a, a nervousness i think there's just a, you know a cultural challenge in terms of you can't have things go wrong in a live production but there's also technical challenges you know the the, the very precise timing needed to be cutting between live signals producing a live production um, some of the, the types of processing that are necessary and graphical elements and that kind of thing have been harder to do in general purpose cloud compute until quite recently. So it's sort of, it's I think now that we're starting to see it hit the mainstream, you know, maybe not necessarily the top tier, you know, tier one sports productions and that kind of thing yet yeah. being done fully cloud-based, but 
it's it's getting there. You know, the tier twos, tier threes, they're they're pretty strong now. And obviously, the pandemic pushed us forward. And talk to us about the hybrid working between prem and and cloud, and, and what goes where, and perhaps why. Yeah, I mean that is the big question, right? Um, and and I think again, there's sort of different. Um, different uh, approaches that we see across different parts of the supply chain. So, you know, in, in the areas where cloud use is more mature, it's perhaps more of an individual decision for particular companies as to how they want to split their spend between CapEx for on-prem equipment versus OpEx in the cloud, that kind of thing. When it comes to something like a live production, we do see a lot of this being done quite hybrid. Um, and the, the reasons get interesting. So like, the latency to get signals to and from the cloud is one of the challenges that you're trying to overcome in live production. Turns out that's a bigger deal for audio in most cases than it is for video. So you might expect that the bigger signals of video are the things that are harder to move into the cloud. Not necessarily so. We're seeing a lot of live productions where they're mixing audio locally, but doing the video mixing in the cloud. Really, really interesting dynamics going on there. So, you know, it, it very much depends on the situation, mm. but... But I think this is this is what's being tested right now, what's being sort of firmed up by organizations who are trying to work out what's the best. So in the future, it will be all cloud, do you think, once it's all um, I actually, sorted? I actually don't. Um, I, I think we will see a situation where just about any workflow can be done fully in the cloud. And I think a lot of the industry will be sitting in the cloud. But uh, I would say that we've seen... In some cases, organizations sort of go all in and then start to pull back a bit. In other cases, people are still heading towards putting everything into the cloud. And again, I think a lot of that's about organizational dynamics. It's about um, appetite for for different spend, sort of types of control that they want to have, whether that's you know access to their data and, and physical ownership of that, whether that's to do with managing spend, um, uh, which is you know ultimately more flexible in the cloud. Doesn't mean it's sometimes easier to spend in the cloud. Um, so I, I think uh, um, I, I think we will see hybrid for for the long term. Um, I, I don't think it's just an interim state, but I think mm. the the situations in which companies will move everything versus parts of their operations to the cloud are are starting to change and sort of settle. So interestingly, technically, it's not the biggest problem. It might be other things like management, rights management, and and such things like that, like that. Yeah, and and organizational inertia and 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 the sort of priorities that an organization has. So I think it would be fair to say that right now we see a pretty different picture. For example, in Europe versus the US. Um, so when I talk to media companies in the US, they tend to be uh, pretty happy to be all in on the cloud. Um, when I talk to broadcasters in Europe. Many of them are still very cautious about it, and and they have moved beyond feeling that it's not possible to do things like they understand the technology works, mm. um, but there's you know probably bigger concern about um, vendor lock-in with a single cloud provider or about data sovereignty. Um, there's you know in some cases just a different balance of how their business is structured. So you know a lot of national broadcasters they're very news heavy. Um, very live heavy so you know they might not be so keen to put everything into the cloud where they feel like they can make it work effectively on-prem 
Um, whereas I think, you know, a lot of studios producing high quality dramas, lots of pre-recorded content, you know, might find that the, um, the flexibility of the cloud, uh, is, is more advantageous to them. So it, it really is about business priorities, I think. Yeah. And Peter, um, for Sony, where, where are Sony's priorities for, for cloud broadcasting? So for Sony, I mean, if we 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 did that was we had a relationship with the DPP before that when the industry was moving to file-based operation and a lot of those works had to be established. So we, you know, we recognised that DPP was a really authoritative voice in the authoritative voice in the in the industry and it's good it's good for companies like sony and the dpp members to hear this independent view because what we have to do I'm, i work in the media solutions part of sony you know sony's a big organization we're really looking at solutions for media and broadcast companies and um what people may may not realize is sony's been in cloud the cloud business for a long time it was i think it was 2013 when sony established a media cloud services uh, division, which came first of all in in the United States, and we've seen that you know the, the progression of the technology and how people are using that. So for us, Sony's kind of known. If if you in the media space, if you ask people about Sony, they'll talk about cameras. You know, we've got a number of cameras here, and they'll talk about you know we've got monitoring and typical hardware products that you'd use for for media. But we also have you know a huge um, development effort in cloud. Uh, and last year, when we went to IBC, we introduced um, uh, what we call Creators Cloud, which is taking the the elements that we've been developing maybe over a number of years in in disparate groups and bringing that together. So having a roadmap that brings all these things together, and then we can develop tools and we can take in third-party tools that address specific issues that customers might be facing. So for us, it's a really key part of our, our strategy. We're using cloud a lot. We we have groups within Sony, particularly in things like the sports area, where uh, our cloud technology is used by them day to day. So it's a big thing. It's a big development, Sony. And do you think it's, a, as Rowan said, it's a hybrid a situation for the future or the short-term future? So we have, to, we have to look at all media organizations. And as Rowan said, everybody's kind of migrating at their own pace there are maybe he's identified some kind of geographical trends but for us we we have to look at all media organizations and each each organization is on their own path which is a technology path it's an organizational path you know they've got business targets to meet and, uh, and challenges that they have around staff getting hold of staff and retaining them so for us we're we're in in, in both camps we have a, a very strong kind of old on-premises offering you know, we've seen the industry migrate from analog to digital from you know linear to file base sdi moving to you know ip local area wide area networking and we have a very strong uh, position in that sony acquired nevion for example a couple of years ago but also on the cloud side it's where you where you would will apply uh, the best of the technology so maybe you know one application for cloud could be connecting camera to cloud so that yeah. you can, you know, in some respects, you can make the camera operator's job a little bit easier so that they just concentrating on the 
acquiring the images rather than having the responsibility of editing and preparing uh, content. If you can get that content off the camera to a cloud location where then geographic teams around the world can start to operate straight away, that makes a camera operator's job much more easy. So it's a, it's a case of you know, applying the right technology in the right part. And then if you are in a cloud environment, what tools do you need and how do you apply those to your specific application? And Camera to Cloud, is that part of your Creators Cloud? As well? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have, in terms of Creators Cloud, there are a number of tools that we have. We have tools based on AI. We have a, pro a production system where we can switch between camera feeds on the cloud. We also have a, a solution called C3P, which is connect, you know, cloud connecting to the, the, sorry, the camera connecting to the cloud. The Creators Cloud is quite new, isn't it? The last six months? So we first announced the um, the Creators Cloud development at IBC last year. So it's coming up for oh, a bit more. Yeah, coming up for a year now. Wow. Time flies. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. And Ro, you talk to me about Camera to Cloud. Do you see that as part of the hybrid, or 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 pushing it more to cloud working? No, I mean ultimately, there, there's always certain elements that that are going to be hardware based. Um, you know, cameras are a great example. Uh, you, you you cannot make a camera exist in software alone. Um, it's fundamentally a hardware device. So what what we're doing here is, I guess, removing uh, the barriers between you know that physical device capturing and the video in the field, and and getting that media into the cloud where it can be operated on as quickly as possible. So I mean, it is ultimately pushing us you know more towards a, a cloud led workflow. But one way or another, there has to be a bridge. You know, if you're going to do some some of your processing in the cloud, there has to be a bridge from from a, a physical device into the cloud. And and I think it's just about moving that initial bridge as, as close as possible to capture, so that you can get the maximum flexibility in terms of your post production or how you're working. So we're going to move on to a couple of broadcast groups who are um, looking at a modular way of their cloud work. Yeah. Sinclair? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think one of the big trends that we see right now in terms of how media companies are building their supply chains generally, cloud-led or not, is that, as you say, they're looking for a more modular approach, which means, you know, not necessarily going to one vendor for an end-to-end -end solution that covers 20 different functions, but actually choosing best of breed tools from from different providers and um that's something that we're hearing a lot you know it's it's something that companies have wanted for a long time but i think especially in the software world it's it's easier to connect together different tools you know that the integration work is is um you know not trivial but but certainly simpler than it was if you had two hardware devices that had different connectors on them you weren't going to be using them together right yeah. um so that's the software version of of that yeah exactly it becomes rather easier you can you you know you can write a software interface to join together two systems and the reason this matters is i think there's a, a lot of companies out there who are looking to get the you know the best functionality they can for different groups within their organization or for different parts of their their workflow um so like you know you mentioned you mentioned sinclair there i, I had the the pleasure to to interview Mike Palmer from Sinclair Broadcast Group at one of our DPP events recently in New York. And 
for anybody who doesn't know Sinclair, it's you know it's it's a station group in the states. They run 190 something stations, um, and and they've been looking to to build a unified cloud supply chain for, for all of those stations. But they're doing that by putting together components from a number of different organizations. So a tool called Pulsit from a company called Embrace. Uh, they're using Sony C as, as the asset management layer for that. They're using Telestream Vantage for their transcoding. There's you know, a, a whole bunch of different vendors involved. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really exciting when you look at stories like that is that they've had great success in, in building something that works for them. And... Those vendors have been really, really um, sort of forward thinking about working together for the benefit of their mutual customer. Um, and that's something we're seeing, I would say, more in the industry than perhaps we did in decades past. But it's interesting because most people who, who are buying would rather have one solution. So this is, is this, is this different because certain companies are not as advanced? You know, there's, there's definitely a huge advantage to having a single unified integrated system that, that you can just implement. I think the challenge that a lot of really large media organizations have is that, you know, for reasons of legacy, for reasons of workflow, you know, they, they have um, sort of quite precise and in some cases bespoke needs. And what they're trying not to do is build their own systems. But at the same time, they may find that buying every component from one vendor uh, might not sort of allow them to kind of mold the solution to to their particular needs. Yeah. You know, I'm speaking in huge generalizations here, of course. It depends not, on it? the workflow. It depends on the organization. It depends yeah. on the vendor's solutions. I'm certainly not saying there aren't times where one one vendor is 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 chosen across a whole kind of large area. But but I definitely think this idea of you know, being able to access um, innovation from lots of different sources and, and perhaps to mix in smaller companies in in the mix with those big established vendors who might be providing kind of as it were ten all sort of elements of, of the yeah. workflow is is really appealing to companies who are looking to to innovate and develop quickly so they're wanting to do it once in that way and not revisit areas that perhaps are as working as they weren't yeah perhaps so um, are you helping with the the search so, I mean, we certainly bring together companies to to sort of explore, um, you know, what's going on across the industry. Uh, you know, we we never recommend sort of particular particular solutions over oh. another, but but we absolutely love it when we can bring great vendors, customers who have a need, yeah. can put them together. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely something that that we're seeing be a key focus that that kind of ability to. Um, to, to, as it were, mix and match, but actually to, to really kind of work together across a number of organizations for a common goal. I think that's that's what's really exciting. Oh. And is there anybody else doing what, um, what they're doing in as much as the cherry-picking type? Oh, for sure, yeah. As I say, I think we, we've, we've heard people call for this stuff a lot. Um, I, I think it's interesting that we're starting to see it really get real, isn't it? So, again, the other side of the pond, if, if I look at other people we spoke to at the same event that included ZDF Studios out of Germany, um, who uh, are doing an interesting mix actually of of choosing off the shelf products for different components. Not a choice that every organisation would want to make, uh, but it's it's sort of the right approach for them to allow them to pull together different technical components and um, uh, have a, a sort of a streamlined unified interface for their staff. 
So, I mean, you know, ultimately you see different organizations making different choices. Um, and, and I think that is, uh, some of what the flexibility of, of the cloud and, and just generally software offers. And what, what Sony think about this kind of customer that's doing that? I mean, that's, it's a healthy thing, isn't it? Yes, I would say so. Yeah. So it's something that we have to take into account in terms of when you're looking at, um, specific components from multiple vendors, right. there is a need for those organizations to work together. So one way to do it is, it is, Roman said to have open interfacing, open APIs can then be selected by the customer. But the other thing is, is that there are a lot of players in the market and specifically from, you know, I'm working within Sony, we have a huge group of people whose role really is uh, alliance partnerships, yeah. and, you know, talking to other organizations and identifying where some interfacing is required, maybe some specific development work is required. Yeah. We have a group, uh, our European professional engineering group, who can work on, you know, addressing maybe some gaps in workflows and then, you know, developing software specifically for that. So, so and they've probably been a customer of yours for decades anyway. We have relationships that we've developed over, I can't remember how many years. I mean, I've been in Sony 30 years and it's a long-term thing. We, you know, we try and have good relationships with all the major media players and we have to be very, you know, conscious of the, the workflow requirements that they have. Mm. And what's happened over the past three years or so, the way that the world has changed, the requirement to connect disparate teams across the world, remote working, um, you know, that's been a key driver as well. So things are always changing. They're always, yeah, they're always evolving and we have to look at what our customers are doing what the industry is doing and that's where you know information and insight from dpp and other organizations is is invaluable for us but it's such a the cloud is such a huge migration isn't it from the last huge migration that happened that i suppose it's it's but it's different in in work practices isn't it one now there's the live production involved as we talked about i mean no one would ever th thought 10 years ago that that would be the case in live production for sure yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, technology moves very, very quickly and customer requirements move quickly as well. And we have to yeah. be in a position where we can address those. So as, as Rowan said earlier, there are different application areas within media where cloud's been used for a long time and then others, which is relatively new. And it's about tracking those through. So if we look at the C, the C media cloud platform, you know, that came from a, a development looking at collaboration across geographically, you know, different groups of creatives. And it was originally for, you know, non-real-time episodic scripted background coming out of the United States, but it's found its way into, you know, live sports applications, different application areas. So it is a, it's an in, incredibly fascinating time to yeah. be in the industry. Day one, when I joined many, many years ago, people said, oh, the, the pace of change has never been quicker. <laughs> and and it, it's, it's the same today. And so people are looking to apply the right technology in the right place. I think the other thing that goes with that is that individual user expectations have changed as well, right? So, you know, I hear much more concern paid to the user experience of, of tools that are used by creatives and staff of media companies now than, than you would have done 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, back on this sort of best of breed tools point, you know, some of the reason for that is that people want a tool that does one thing really well, um, 
rather than something that tries to do absolutely everything. And and I would suggest that some of the reason for that is that users kind of think that way and work that way. These days, you know, we've all got used to the smartphone with individual apps that do specific things really, really well. And I think that you know that has led to a bit of a shift in in people's thinking as to how they like to interact with technology. They don't want a really, really complex system that that does a thousand things. They they like to have a tool that does the thing they're doing really, really well. And again, I'm speaking in generalizations, of course. Uh, there will be exceptions to that. But I, I definitely think that that the individual users involved, you know, we talk about companies a lot, but the individual users involved and how their expectations have shifted has has shaped a lot of this too. So in your opinion, just maybe finishing with you about the health of the cloud at the moment, it's, it's, is it healthy? Is it, I mean, it's so, it's so early in a way. I know we've, we've had, as you said, we've had cloud services for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that that we're in a, a pretty mature state for a lot of uh, the technology availability. Things are still moving rapidly, but, you know, in terms of the basic services that are available, I think we're in a good mature state. Um, organizations are still settling down how they want to use this technology and it fits into their workflows. Um, but I would say that, quite frankly, we're probably as mature as we ever will in, in the sense that things are continuing to evolve but they always will. Um, you know, we we often talk about these technology transitions as if they'll be done someday. And, you know, in the days of moving from black and white to color or from SD to HD, sure, that was the case. You know, you got to the point where 100% of production was HD. But in terms of something like structure to the cloud, that's going to be continually evolving. Right. You know, things will move in and out of the cloud. They'll move from one cloud provider to another. They'll move from one software provider to another. Um, as organizations' needs continue to change. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks, Peter.